Welcome to the LCS Health Services Division podcast series. I'm your host today, Laura Franco, Vice President, Director of Post-Acute Regulatory Strategy. I also serve as the LCS HIPAA Privacy Officer. Today, I am happy to be joined by attorney Joe Ellen Whitney from the Davis Law Firm. Now, Joe, among other specialties, works extensively in the field of healthcare law, and that is including privacy and confidentiality issues under HIPAA. So, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. I appreciate it. So, so I think our listeners um, probably have a little bit of a clue, Joe, as to what we're going to talk about, because I mentioned HIPAA twice. <laughs> so um, what we are going to talk about is we are going to talk about social media and HIPAA, because what we know is that HIPAA was enacted way, way before any of the social media networks like Facebook or Instagram or all the, the variety out there. And we know that there aren't any real specific HIPAA social media rules, but we do know that the HIPAA standards apply to healthcare or healthcare organizations and employees of healthcare organizations. So, so it's it's the new norm that we live in. And we also know from the healthcare standpoint that social media has a lot of benefits. It's a great marketing tool for us. It's a wonderful tool for communication for families and future residents so they can stay current on what's going on in the community. And it's also a really nice tool to communicate um, some quick information on a broad basis. But having said that, we also know there's a huge potential for HIPAA rules and resident privacies to be violated on social media networks. So, Joe, the big, big question or the elephant in the room today is, you know, how can healthcare organizations and their employees use social media without violating any of the HIPAA rules? Right. I, I get that everybody wants to have a social media platform and that having something really positive on social media or going viral in a positive way can up brand recognition, you know, bring people to your table, that kind of thing. I think all of that is really great. But one of the issues we need to think about is when we're talking about HIPAA, particularly in long-term care or skilled nursing, we're not just talking about HIPAA. We're talking about HIPAA, we're talking about high tech, we're talking about the CMS regulations. Um, for long-term care and skilled nursing, we're talking about the Elder Justice Act, as well as rules of ethics and things like that. So we have to figure out how all of those things mesh together and still let us use social media in a way that's positive, that supports not only our residents, but also our brand. And that can be a little tricky depending on where you live and what kind of social media process you're using. That can be. And I, I think that, you know, you just you just listed a whole lot of different areas. I don't think that most people are even thinking about those when we think about social media. So do you want to talk about some of those? You know, you, you mentioned CMS regulations. So I'm not sure how how would those play into a social media um, situation? Sure. So we're talking about, when we talk about social media, we're really talking normally about two different things. One is your formal social media platform that your facility or agency might have where they're doing things that are marketing. The other would be the more informal social media use by your employees. They're governed under the same set of rules, but we certainly do approach both of those things differently because certainly with your formal marketing process, you would have media releases, those kinds of things in play. 
the CMS regulations are really substantially stricter than HIPAA or high-tech in relationship to residents. They don't necessarily apply to assisted living facilities, but they do apply to long-term care and to skilled. And they have very broad regulations about what you can store, when you can keep it, um, how you use it. And it all comes down to, are you denigrating the resident? Is it a diminution of their dignity? Is it something that could be perceived as being bad or um, inflammatory or something that would make fun of that resident. And that's where a lot of these things come in. A lot of the CMS considerations come in. For most communities, if you do have skilled or you're a long-term care community, you need to think about how your social media policy is drafted to loop those CMS regulations in. They were really driven by a lot of abuses. There were a lot of abuses, not typically from marketing websites, but that informal use by employees where residents were being made fun of, there was nudity, those kinds of things. And so that's really how that developed and how we need to think about it when we think about both drafting policies and training for our staff. Well, I think that's really interesting because, again, I, I don't think that a lot of people are really putting the two together um, when we're talking about social media. And as you said, there are so many that link in there. So let, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk more about the informal social media platform, because I think from the formal, okay. at least internally, I would hope that, you know, our our community staff understand what they can and they can't use social media for and they have policies and procedures. Right. But let's talk more about, you know, just the general employee. Let's talk about, you know, the housekeeper. Let's talk about someone, sure. you know, in the in the kitchen. Let's talk about a CNA or a nurse, um, you know, informally using social media? So the problem with the informal use of social media is that as a facility, we don't find out that there's been a violation until the violation has already gone viral, until people are noticing it, until we're getting complaints. The problem, the other problem that we have um, with informal usage is that there is sometimes a gap in how we talk to people about social media and what they understand. You can do HIPAA training, you can do the kind of training, and people don't understand that that really applies to what they're doing on a daily basis. When I think about the problems that come to my desk all the time, and, and frankly, I answered two of these this morning for long-term care facilities. When I think about the problems that come to my desk, they fall into sort of five big categories. One is what I think of as background failure. So you have people internally who are maybe taking pictures of an anniversary party or birthday or just scurrying around and taking pictures. And in the background is your resident, is private data, something that you don't want to put on the web because it's going to be protected by law. People tend not to look at backgrounds. They tend not to carefully review their pictures. And we get a lot of this accidental exposure from this background data. The second thing that is one of the more common HIPAA violations is when you're just having a bad day. A lot of what you see on social media is people complaining about where they work, about what I do or I had a bad day. If you start talking about a resident who had a fall, you know, is obese, smells bad, was difficult to deal with, even when you leave that resident's name out, and even if you're just complaining to your 250 friends or, you know, Twitter followers, then you're going to run into a HIPAA problem because just taking a name out isn't normally going to be enough to create anonymity under HIPAA, particularly in circumstances like that. And so we run into problems there when you're just having a bad day and you're complaining online about, you know, what's happening. 
Another one we run into is what I think of as the overshare. Certainly with social media, people share more about their lives than we would normally have shared. 15 years ago, nobody would have seen a picture of your avocado toast in the morning. And now people share what they have for breakfast and what they do. But when they start to get bored or they see something cute or funny, a lot of times they don't think about they're breaching not only their own privacy, but somebody else's. If you want to post a picture of your avocado toast at your home, that's your issue and your privacy right. But if you start posting a picture of a resident who spilled something or got things on them or, or did something silly, now you're breaching somebody else's privacy rights. And I don't think we always think about that. I don't think our staff think about that it's not their privacy, it's someone else's. And they're so used to sharing weird, intimate details of their own lives that they think it's okay to share other people's. And so that overshare also gets us into trouble. And frankly, that's one of the ones that CMS focuses on because it tends to be the funny videos where bad things have happened. Um, another one would be what I think of as sort of the memento more, which is the remembrance of death. When you have people who pass away in your facility that you've provided care to, that you've worked with, we never want to be the first post about that. Right. You you don't want your dietary aide to be the first person that says, I delivered the meal to Susie and found out she was dead or, I, you know, I can't do it. And we certainly had that kind of thing happen in different places because you're not supposed to do that, right? That's the family's role. That's the family's privacy, the decision maker. So one of the things I normally say is that when it's already public, it's okay to say you mourn their passing or you're so sorry or they were a wonderful person, but we don't want to be the first post. We, none of our employees, unless they're directly related to that person, should be the first post on that. And then the final one that I think really is hard for people, and we've seen some real backlash on, is responding either to compliments or criticism. Somebody compliments your care, somebody compliments what a good job you did, somebody compliments, you know, environmental services, I think it's okay to say thank you. But what you don't want to do is go into details about wh why you did things or how things happened because, again, that reconfirms some of these other HIPAA issues. The bigger one is when somebody complains, right? You were rough with my grandma. You didn't do a good job taking care of somebody. You broke something, you know, in the, assist in the apartment, that kind of thing. Our initial response as just human beings is to say, no, I didn't, or you don't know what you're talking about, or to sort of smack back on those kinds of things. Problem is, that's HIPAA, and you're not allowed to really confirm that you had issues with someone, that they had those problems, even when they raise it first on social media. The better choice, particularly for something that is a criticism, would be to go to your manager, your marketing director, somebody like that, and decide how you're going to respond. In a lot of instances, that response is, we're sorry you feel that way, and we'd be happy to talk to you if you want to contact X. But it's not going to be responding on social media, because not only will that create HIPAA issues, but it's going to create sort of both internal and external public relations problems. So it's interesting because all five of those you mentioned there didn't include the intentional person trying to really be nasty and go out there and say something, which is obvious, right? That's an obvious one. So I, you know, didn't really right. occur to me that there are so many others that are really not intentional. They're just how people are living and, and using social media today, right? I, I agree. I would think I would I do a lot of HIPAA work and I would say to you that 90 percent of what I see is not an intentional breach. 
it is accidental or wanting to share or a lot of times because everyone's in a helping profession to help, right, provide more information and do that kind of thing. The intentional breaches that we see most frequently are not typically identity theft. We do see some of those. We see some identity theft ones where people are using insurance cards or they're trying to use a credit card information, and those are subsequently handled criminally, right? We're always going to report those. Those are going to be criminal. But we also get, you know, people who are seeking revenge, maybe want to get a fellow employee in trouble, and so post something falsely under their name. I mean, those kinds of things. But that's that's a significantly lesser percentage of what we see on a regular basis. So what are the consequences of even like the top, the five that you talked about, the unintentional? Um, I assume there are still consequences, correct? Or potential consequences. Oh, there are significant. Right. There are significant consequences regardless of why a breach occurs, whether it's accidental or intentional. Um, the, the structure under HIPAA, which is enforced by the Office of Civil Rights or OCR, is a four-tier structure. So a mistake might be as little as a $100 fine and training and that kind of thing. Um, when you have those intentional breaches or when you have systemic failures, Right, long-term failures, failure to put up your firewalls. A lot of the a lot of the fines have been over the three million dollar mark. So there's the potentiality of fines. There's the potentiality of training issues. As an individual employee, depending on the nature of the violation, if it was intentional, if you've been warned before and you did it again, we may end up as an employer terminating that from employment. And then when you think about some of the other issues, say you're a skilled nursing facility or it's true long-term care, the Elder Justice Act, there can be criminal penalties. And if it's knowing and intentional and you're a license holder, I'm going to have to report you to the Board of Nursing. And so there can be licensure issues with that as well. So how is a community um, how, how is a community supposed to really educate to the deepest level with their staff and social media? I think there's a couple of things. One is you need to remember that your staff is not going to get it right, that there's going to be misuse. People are not going to understand what you're saying. And so that means that training and working with staff isn't a one and done. It is one of those things where you're going to need to work with them on a regular basis to help them understand what happens. I also think that when you do training, you need to make sure that you give them some real-world examples. You provide, you, know, you provide care for this person. She died. Her granddaughter sent you a text minutes after that to ask how grandma was doing. How are you going to respond? You need to give them those real-life examples so they understand what that really means. And then when you do get complaints, you need to take that opportunity to retrain and to really explain to people why there was a problem. I think sometimes we don't want to talk about the problems. We're worried it will turn into a lawsuit or a claim rather than using that as a training opportunity. And you, I think you really want to use those real-life problems as a training opportunity so we don't do it again. Yeah. Yeah, it, because there are so many areas that somebody could trip up and make a mistake and really, like you said, maybe they had a bad day or maybe they're just an overshare, um, you know, on that end. Right. So I uh, I recently had a uh, I recently had someone contact me and uh, 
their community has a skilled nursing facility on site and the okay. administrator of the skilled nursing facility wanted to be able to get an authorization from a resident to be able to put their picture mm-hmm. on their Facebook page. Um, okay. Okay. Specific HIPAA authorization. Now, because a HIPAA authorization has to have an expiration date, correct? Um, you really can't use an authorization yes. for for ever and and a day, correct? And not control who's going to see it. Right. You you if you're going to get a HIPAA authorization, not only do you have to have a, an expiration date, which we typically put at one year, although sometimes you can stretch it out a little bit. Um, you've got to have an, you've got to have an expiration date. You also have the right to rescind the authorization and you have to be clear um, in any kind of HIPAA authorization that you don't predicate care, you know, on giving the authorization. Typically what a lot of times what we would see is, you know, something accompanying a media release because you want to make sure you get the media release as well because those look a little different, right? They cover other kinds of things like intentional misuse by a third party is, you know, that we're not going to be liable for intentional misuse by a third party. That's going to be encompassed in our media release, whereas it's probably not going to show up in a HIPAA authorization. But you you never really want to get an authorization and just assume it's good for the rest of the president's lifetime. There, you want to make sure you're re-upping those, that you're you're doing that in conformance with whatever the most current practices are. Well, I think the other risk is when you talk about social media, you there's no control over who is going to see that and when they're going to see it. It it will be there forever, correct? Right. So, so right. There's I, really I mean, no control. people think it's private. You're right. Oh, I apologize. I didn't mean to talk over you. Um, it, yeah, I mean, people assume it might be private or that we'd have some kind of control, and and that's just not true. Once you put it out there, it is out there. And it can be manipulated. It can be used um, with various AI programs. We've seen things sort of twisted out of context. And it, that can become very problematic, which is why you want to be really careful. You really want to curate what you're putting out there. And then certainly on our own you know, marketing websites, those kind of things, we want to make sure that we have appropriate releases, which encompass that third-party issue, that if a third-party steals the image, we're not responsible for what they do with it. That's one of the things that we've really tried to focus on. So, so if, if, I am, if I'm the HIPAA privacy officer at a community, um, what would you suggest mm-hmm. in terms of just focusing on social media alone for my staff? If I say, you know what, in 2020, we are really going to focus on HIPAA privacy with social media because we want to make sure that our staff are safe using their pri- their social media, but we want to make sure mm-hmm. that they're not putting the community at risk, themselves at risk, or the residents at risk. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing you have to do is you have to look at what your policies actually look like. And do they do they encompass, you know, these sort of rules that intersect and do they tell your people in language they can understand what you expect of them? Because most of the investigations, any kind of defense I would do in a claim like this is going to start with your policies. So first you're going to make sure your policies are in good shape and reflect what you really do. I think you want to do training and talk to them directly. And I think you want to take opportunities in an informal way to discuss with people how they're using their social media and what they're doing with it. One of the things we sometimes have problems with is that 
maybe the privacy officer doesn't know that somebody is using social media inappropriately, but their direct supervisor knows because they're, you know, part of the chat group or they're, you know, they've engaged in the joke, that kind of thing. So you really also have to focus on your managers and helping them understand how to talk to their employees, but also when that needs to be elevated to the privacy officer so we can address it. So keeping, you know, good, clean policies, making them current with your practices, making sure your managers understand their role and responsibility, and then giving concrete examples that relate to people's real lives about how things go wrong and what not to do, I think are all going to be the key points. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's really important that, that, um, that healthcare providers really look at HIPAA um, in terms of social media because there's just more and more and more social media. It's the way we live today. And also, as we start to hire people that are younger and younger, that's the world they live in, right? So they're so used to social I, I, media. Right. I mean, I think that's the sort of the overshare issue um, is because they do really just live in in that social media world. And the other thing that that may be generational is that more people who are younger have monetized to their social media accounts. Those are accounts where they maybe have um, some form of advertising or other people pay them to make sponsor endorsements, that kind of thing. I have a 14-year-old boy, and one of his social media accounts is monetized. He gets paid Mm -hmm. to do certain kinds of advertising on that account. So I think in some ways that's generational, but that puts a whole new – you know, a whole new perspective on it, because if you make a mistake on a monetized social media account and you put HIPAA information out there, that will up the penalties, that will up the fines, that will create more problems. And so they have to understand that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, you know, I think we could talk for days on end about, you know, (laughs) social media (laughs) because it gets so complicated, you know? So we really don't want to, we don't really don't want to tell, you know, we want to be able to function in a healthcare environment and a social media environment um, properly, (laughs) legally, right? Right. That's the end of the day. (laughs) So... So is there anything else you want to share with our listeners, Joe? Well, I don't want them not to be human. Sometimes attorneys feel like we're the fun police and we don't want to let you do anything and and we're just, you know, a pain, basically. But I don't want you to not use social media. I don't want you to say thank you to, you know, I want you to be able to say thank you to people. That, But I also, when you do that, I want you to Think about the consequences, not just the spur of the moment piece, but the consequences and understand that, again, it's your right to, to change your, you know, to give up your privacy, but not your right to give up somebody else's. And most of the people I work with are pretty good people, and they don't want to accidentally hurt someone else. And so one of the things that I think sometimes resonates is when you explain to people that when you breach their privacy, you're hurting somebody else. And I think that helps them understand why it's important. That's a that's a good way to explain it. That's a real good way to explain it. So, well, I have found our conversation very, very interesting today, and I hope our listeners have too. And I want to thank you, Joe, for taking the time today to join us and talk about this uh, really important topic. So thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me. 
Yeah, thanks and, for having me. I, I like to talk about HIPAA, so. <laughs> awesome. And maybe we'll have you back again. We'll we'll uh, just keep going down the HIPAA line here. So, so um, <laughs> All right. I want, I want to thank our listeners, too. So uh, thank you, everyone. Legal Disclaimer. Life Care Services LLC is not engaged in rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel. Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast.